You have just entered the Liberty Lighthouse, where we cut through the fog of politics with common sense and logic. Coming to you from Pennsylvania, the state of independence. Here he is, author of the book, Progress, Really? U.S. Navy veteran and your host, Peter Serafine. Welcome to Liberty Lighthouse for Friday, April 10th, 2020. Today is going to be one of our probably monthly gun rights episodes where we look at all of the laws of the different states and see just what's going on. But we also have one big federal law we need to cover as well. And as George Washington may or may not have said, based on who you listen to, a free people ought not only be armed and disciplined, but they should have sufficient arms and ammunition to maintain a status of independence from any who might attempt to abuse them, which would include their own government. So with that in mind, let's uh, start the show. Welcome to the Liberty Lighthouse. With your Liberty Lighthouse keeper. Your beacon of common sense. Your wiki, if you will. Peter Seraphine. We urge you to join the conversation by calling 64-MY-RIGHTS. That's 646-974-4487. And sign up to be a member at liberty-lighthouse.com. That's right. This is an interactive show. The Liberty Lighthouse loves to hear your questions, comments, and concerns. You can call 64MyRights to uh, leave me voice messages that I'll use on future episodes of Liberty Lighthouse. Or you can also text 64MyRights if you don't want to hear your voice on the air. While we're at it, you want to uh, support Liberty Lighthouse, I greatly appreciate that. Like and share, subscribe, rate, and review wherever you're listening to the show. And if you really want to support, click the support button and give us a, you know, 99 cents a month for a financial support or something like that. Anyway, I am Peter Serafine, host of the Liberty Lighthouse, and that was my sales pitch. Now, let's get on to the show. We're here to talk today about gun rights that are, uh, well, being pushed. Pushed might not be the right word. Being proposed in the different states across our country. I'm going to start doing these gun rights episodes, gun law episodes, about once a month is my plan reached out to a couple of people that are a little more experts in the field to see if they might want to come in from time to time. But this one kind of sprung up on me and I just decided to do it uh, when I saw HR 5717 that we will get to later. First, I would like to start with some of the state proposals. So in no particular order, we've got in Oregon, House Bill 4005A has come out of committees and is now on the House floor for a vote. And uh, Oregon's House Bill 4005A is storage laws. We talked about these the last time I did this about a month ago. Universal storage laws sound like an idea. You know, like, yeah, you should have your gun locked up if it's not on your person. But what about that home invasion situation? The storage laws that are proposed in in a lot of states are ridiculous, over cumbersome, 
they have, you know, you have to have a trigger lock on your pistol and your pistol also has to be in a safe and your ammunition has to be in a different part of the safe. So you're lying in bed at night and somebody breaks into your house and you've got to open up the safe Then you've got to open up the trigger lock. Then you've got to open up the other part of the safe to get your ammunition. And what are the chances that you're dead by this point? Because whoever broke into your house, well, they locked and loaded when they entered. So, yeah, they didn't have to go through all those hoops. Universal storage laws basically make uh, home defense use of guns ridiculous and uh, just not possible. Maybe that's the point. Washington. Washington has House Bill 2947. They uh, resurrected this bill. It had died earlier. They did some fancy political procedural mumbo jumbo to get this bill alive again. And this is one of those bills that is capacity limits because, you know, having more than 10 rounds in your handgun is just so highly deadly and all that kind of stuff. Uh, New Hampshire House just passed uh, HB 1379 FN and HB 1107FN, and they are uh, a waiting period for purchasing guns and bans and criminalizes private sales and transfers. So you have to get uh, an FFL, a federally licensed dealer, to do all transfers of all firearms. And if you go to buy a firearm, there's a mandatory waiting period. If these two bills become law, they've just passed the New Hampshire State House. So, again, um, let's say that you have a protection order against a violent ex and you want to go buy a gun to protect yourself from this violent ex who's going to be even more violent now that you just put a protection order against them. Oh, but you have to wait for the waiting period before you can get your gun. And once again, you're dead. Arizona. Last month, uh, Arizona was going off the rails. They had all kinds of bills. They still do. These are all uh, still alive. They might be new numbers. I forgot to double check. Anyway, we got uh, Senate Bill 1624, 1625, 1626, and 1627, four consecutive Senate bills. Uh, one bans private sales and transfers again. One bans so-called assault weapons and puts a 10-round limit on all handguns. Uh, one is red flag confiscations. That's a great idea, isn't it? We already talked about some of those too. Um, got another great story to go with that. I'll, I'll get to that in just a second. Uh, and then uh, storage laws, universal storage laws again. So that's four bad gun control bills trying to be pushed in Arizona. Now, Connecticut has House Bill 5040 which is a 35% tax on ammunition. I don't care what the product is. If it has a 35% tax on it, that is a punitive tax. That is punishment for buying whatever it is that you're trying to buy. And Iowa. Iowa has House File 2367, 
which is another red flag confiscation. Though I don't know if you saw or not, but there has been a second death in uh, Maryland, Massachusetts. Oh, I forget. Now I'm going to have to look it up. Anyway, there's been a second death during the uh, red flag confiscation. Uh, this one at 4.30 in the morning, one of those lovely no-knock warrants where the police just show up and they're like, hey! So anyway, guys, uh, according to witnesses and such, the uh, poor gentleman was asleep in his bed at 4.30 in the morning and was shot dead. Uh, supposedly from outside the building because, you know, a sleeping man inside his own bedroom. That's, that's a huge threat to the uh, SWAT team that's outside, right? And it was Maryland. So Maryland has now had two deaths, two citizens that were basically executed by police while trying to serve red flag confiscations. What I did see a lot of when I was trying to find out what was going on in the gun laws world in the last month, I saw that, well, a lot of states tried to close gun stores during the great coronavirus Wuhan flu shutdown of 2020. It was at least eight states tried to close gun stores. And then several other states allowed the uh, counties and the sheriffs to determine whether or not to close gun, gun stores. Now, uh, I believe last week I talked about in my, uh, my interview with Josh Shear that here in Pennsylvania, the governor tried to close gun stores, but it didn't work so well. Uh, the gun store owners filed lawsuits and the Supreme Court justices told the governor, hey, uh, you shouldn't do this because if this comes in front of us, you're going to look like a tyrannical ass. So why don't you just let the gun stores open? So that basic scenario has happened in a lot of places, a lot of uh, states tried to close the gun stores and then uh, backtracked and allowed them to stay open. Now, let's get in a little bit into the need for guns and what's going on in the gun world. Last month, March of 2020, according to FBI statistics, 4.7 million background checks were performed for gun purchases. 4.7 million. That is a record for a month. The second closest month was uh, right after Barack Obama had won his second term and the, uh, the Sandy Hook shooting occurred. They had, I think it was 3.3 million that month. So 3.7 million uh, potential gun sales in the month of March 2020. Well, I can testify that between my wife and I, we account for three of those uh, 3.7 million. I owned one pistol before all of this coronavirus nonsense began, and I now own four guns. Or, well, between us, we own four guns. I am a mailman, so I am an essential worker. So I still have to go out to work every day. And I fear potential civil unrest from this quarantine, lockdown, stay-at-home, shelter-in-place stuff far more than I fear uh, COVID-19, Wuhan, flu, coronavirus. 17 million people are unemployed right now. Sooner or later, good people will do bad things just to feed their families. 
So I was worried about my beautiful wife, and I took her down the street to uh, well, the Hunter's Warehouse, a little, little gun shop right down the road from me, and she picked out a pistol. She wanted a nice, pretty revolver, so she picked one out, and we went home, and oh, look, all the gun ranges are closed, so we can't go fire it. So she goes on YouTube, and she looks up that specific model of revolver and decided that it's just too much for her. She saw some grown men shooting this thing and having a recoil that just scared her a little bit. And I'll be quite honest, it's a 38 special snub nose, and it does kick like a mule. So that's gun number two. Then we decided, well, we should get her something she's a little more comfortable with because got to be comfortable when you have a handgun. So we went down and we got her a beautiful stainless steel four-inch barrel uh, 22 revolver, which she just loves. So that's three of the four guns. And then uh, just a day or two ago, uh, we were at Walmart and I saw a nice little pump-action shotgun that was only like $148. And I thought, well, gee, I just have to have that. So anyway... I account for, or we in my household, account for three of those 3.7 million uh, background checks last month. But why are there 3.7 million background checks last month? You can't use a firearm to defend against a virus. That's well, a whole lot of people like me worried about the civil unrest. You know what? There's not going to be a news flash, a breaking news story telling you that civil unrest will begin tomorrow at noon. Prepare yourselves. So to be quite honest, since this whole thing began, I don't leave the house without being strapped, except when I'm working, of course, for all of you federal NSA agents listening in, knowing that I'm a federal employee. No, I do not carry at work. That would be illegal and cost me my job. But every other time I leave my house, I am carrying. And that is completely new thanks to the Wuhan flu shutdown. I did not carry before all of this nonsense began. So there's a whole lot of people out there like me uh, that are worried about civil unrest, looting, rioting, people trying to feed their families from whatever means they can. So I understand the 3.7 million uh, potential gun sales last month. Let's talk about a thing or two that I really can't understand, but that also add to the, well, why were there 3.7 million uh, background checks done? Several major cities, including Cincinnati, LA, and Dallas, are now reporting that police will not respond to your 911 call unless it's, you know, kidnapping or murder. So if somebody breaks into your house and you call 911, the police aren't coming. Someone steals your car, the police aren't coming. That's good stuff, right? That's more why people bought guns. They need to be, feel safe and protected and secure. And if the police aren't there to help make you feel protected, safe, and secure, you have to do it yourself. Okay. So while you have these places that are saying the police aren't going to respond, you have places saying that they're releasing prisoners from the prisons. 
so that the Wuhan flu does not sweep through the prison. So let's add this all up and see how do you get to 3.7 million federal firearms background checks done in one month? Well, let's see. You start with one threat of civil unrest. You create, you the government, create a situation that has the potential for civil unrest at any time. Then you, again, within the government, release prisoners from jail. And then you tell the citizens that the police will not be responding to your 911 calls for help. Okay. That's how you get 3.7 million federal firearm background checks done in one month. You've created the perfect storm for criminals and everybody with three brain cells to run to rub together can see it. You're letting prisoners out of jail. You're telling everybody to wear a mask when you're in public. And you're also telling everybody that the police aren't going to respond. So now you've got people walking all over the place wearing masks, creating the perfect cover for the criminal. The criminal can wear a mask. You won't see their face. And they don't even look suspicious wearing a mask. You've told everybody else to stay indoors. So there's not even people out there taking uh, cell phone videos. So you won't even catch them on camera. You are creating, you, our government, our elected officials are creating the perfect environment for criminals to ruin neighborhoods. And you wonder why you had 3.7 million potential firearm sales last month. We are basically living under undeclared martial law. People are being fined for not maintaining social distance. People are being fined for breaking curfews. Pastors are being jailed for trying to hold uh, religious services. Your business, your livelihood was shut down by a mandate from our government. Cars are being stopped and asked for their papers, please. Or, you know, Nazi Germany, papers, please. All because of a virus. Now, in the short term, maybe this was a good idea. Maybe the social distancing and shutting everything down for, you know, the initial was two weeks. We were supposed to be closed for 15 days. We let it go. We, the people, said, okay. It's for the greater good. 15 days. I can do that. That makes sense. And then it was extended for another 30 days. So it went from two weeks to six weeks. Now, you know, we've got two weeks left of that six weeks. And they're talking about 90 days. At what point is enough enough? At what point are all of these people that are out of work going to start doing whatever they can do to feed their families. You think the $1,200 whatever that you want to stipend from the federal government, from the $2 trillion relief package, 
You think that $1,200 is going to last long when these people have been out of work for six weeks already and they still haven't got that $1,200? This is all why guns are flying off the shelves. Ammunition is sold out. Those that already had guns started stockpiling ammunitions. Those that didn't have guns got them. And in the meantime, our governments are trying to pass more gun control legislation because scared and frightened people with guns frightens our government. And it should. Remember our Declaration of Independence. We hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal. They are endowed with endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights that among these are life, liberty, and pursuit of happiness that to secure these rights, governments are instituted among men deriving their power from the consent of the governed. And that whenever any form of government becomes destructive to these ends, it is the right of the people to alter or abolish it and institute a new government. That's why our government is constantly trying to pass gun laws, because they know that if they keep screwing up, we're going to alter or abolish our government, just like our Declaration of Independence tells us to do. So, if you're already proficient with guns, then Find those people, find those first-time gun buyers who just went out last month and bought a gun and probably don't even know the first thing about it. And Take them shooting. Teach them how to use it. I am all for gun rights, but I am very against idiots that don't know what they're doing having guns. So help them out. Teach them. If you've got a gun range open, which I don't, my gun range closed. I emailed them today. I said, Hey, the, uh, white house says that gun ranges are part of the essential businesses. You plan to open back up and their, they, their email reply was, uh, we're looking into it. We'll get back to you. So if you've got a place that you can take your newbie shooting, take them shooting, teach them the right way to use it, teach, teach them to be safe with it. We do not need a whole bunch of people that panic bought guns who don't know how to use them starting to loot and riot and shoot anything that moves. Teach them how to use them right. Responsible gun ownership is important and I'm a big believer in responsible gun ownership. Responsible being the key word. Anyway, we're trying something new here on the Liberty Lighthouse. I have set up a specific time frame that I'm trying to make these episodes all fit in. So the, they'll all be the same length from here on out if I can make this work. Never done it before, but, uh, well, give it a shot with a little bit of hopes that maybe one of these big internet radio networks will pick me up. What do you think? Do I have a chance? Am I good enough? <laughs> anyway, this is the Liberty Lighthouse I am your host, Peter Seraphine, and uh, we're coming up on our first break. When we come back from this break, we are going to talk about House Resolution 5717 uh, that is 
coming uh, quickly moving through the ranks, uh, the uh, committees at the House of Representatives uh, and the federal level. And it is some ugly stuff. It is it's basically every gun law ever tried all squished into one big ugly bill. That should be great. So we'll be right back. You're listening to the Liberty Lighthouse. Join the conversation now. Just call 64-MY-RIGHTS. That's 646-974-4487. A little over a year ago, I got so frustrated with progressive society that I wrote a short book called Progress. Really? You can buy my book on Amazon for $5.99 in the paperback form, $0.99 in an ebook, or... Go to liberty-lighthouse.com, sign up to be a member, and download it from the file shares page for free. Progress, really? Just questions. At what point is progress not really progress anymore? You're listening to the Liberty Lighthouse Podcast. Okay, so we're back. Thanks for sticking through that break. I appreciate it. Now we are going to talk about H.R. 5717 in the 116th Congress second session. And I quote, A bill to end the epidemic of gun violence and build safer communities by strengthening federal firearms laws and supporting gun violence research, intervention, and prevention initiatives. That's good stuff. The short title, the adorable, oh, isn't this a good idea title, is Gun Violence Prevention and Community Safety Act of 2020. I said in the first segment that this is basically every gun law that's ever been tried, all squished into one bill. And that's what it is. We're going to go through it. So in the... I don't know, however many years, since the 1960s, when gun laws started to really be a thing, 22,000 gun laws have been passed in the United States of America. That's uh, local, state, and federal laws, 22,000 of them. But this one, this massive omnibus everything gun law, this is going to be the one to end gun violence in our country. And if you believe that, I have this beautiful antique bridge in Brooklyn that I could sell you really cheap. Just uh, call 64 My Rights and leave me a message. I'll get back to you about that. Come on. I don't know who thinks that this could ever work to begin with. Um, but apparently there's a bunch of them because this bill has 18 co-sponsors, so 19 of our House of Representatives members have signed on to this bill. And let's just let's just jump in. Let's start going through it. So, Title 1, Firearms Licensing. Yes. You heard me correctly. They are proposing a federal firearms license in order to own a firearm or ammunition. So, you have to have a federal license to buy a gun. Or ammo. However, one of the things that's not in this bill is national reciprocity. So you have to get a federal license to buy a gun. Then you still have to go to your county sheriff or however your state does it to get your concealed carry permit, which is still only valid in the states that, that uh, honor your state's concealed carry permit. 
So what's the point of the federal license other than, oh, wait, if they have a federal license, that means they have a database of everybody who has one of those federal licenses. So they can, ooh, wow. If they do that, then they know everybody who has a gun. Now, why would the federal government want to know who has the guns? Hmm. That's, that's, that's a tough question. Like, uh, I really can't think of any legitimate reason why they would need to know that information. So that's, that's title one. That's the very first section. And I'm already getting pissed off. Title two is the background check reform. Background check reform, meaning universal background checks. So no more private sales exemption. No more passing your gun down to your son, you know, your great-grandfather's gun that's been in your family now for three generations. You can't just give that to your son without asking for the federal government's permission if this god-awful bill passes. That's, that's just ridiculous. Oh, wait. And then let's say I'm going to give my, my gun to my son. I go through the background check. For my son, which takes, you know, sometimes it takes a little while. Like I'm a, I'm a junior and I have a son who's also, you know, my name, Peter Seraphine. So there's a, there's a senior, a junior and a third. And that kind of stuff will mess with the background check system. It will put you in the, oh, we've got to look into it information and you don't get your instant 15 minute answer. So when the background check comes back clear and you're allowed to give your gun or sell your gun to somebody else, then you have to wait seven days because that's great, right? <laughs> yeah. All right. That's, that's title two. That's the background check reform. Title three, firearm pre- uh, possessions. Oh, wait, 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 wait. Before we go on to uh, Title Three Firearm Possessions, I forgot something back in the uh, the licensing part, right? So federal firearms license, you have to have a license to have a gun or ammunition. And part of that licensing process is a written test that you understand the gun laws and a proficiency test. Okay. If you're not allowed to own a gun without a license, but then you have to have a proficiency test to get a gun. Wow. It almost, and you know, maybe I'm being a little oversensitive here, but it almost seems like they're trying to make it so that in, you know, a a generation or two, no one will be able to get a license because they won't be proficient enough to pass tests. But maybe I'm just being paranoid. All right. Title number three, like I said, firearm possessions. This is great. This raises the age to possess a firearm to 21. Any firearm, not just handguns, all guns, all firearms, you have to be 21 to own it. And while you have it, they're going to tell you how you have to store it. Universal storage laws at a federal level. Then they're going to go in and they're going to, they being our federal government, then our federal government is going to define what devices qualify 
for the safe storage of your firearms. Then our federal government is going to make consumer product safety standards for the devices that they demand that you have to put on your firearms to store them the way they tell you to store them. <laughs> I can't believe I, – I really can't believe this is a real bill. This – I I almost think that this is fake and it, it came off of Babylon B. But it's not. I'm actually reading it from congress.gov. Now, Title IV of House Resolution 5717 is extreme risk protection orders. And that sounds like a good idea. Like, you know, it sounds like, hey, I've got a protection order against my spouse. He shouldn't have guns. But when you read the verbiage in Section 4, it's red flag confiscation laws. It is a federal red flag confiscation, which we've already seen cause death in our country. And how many more deaths do you think it'll t- it'll cause? Because I got to tell you right now, if anybody comes to take my guns without going through due process, there's going to be a problem. Before you take my property away from me, I want my time in front of the judge to tell my side of the story. And Section 4 of this bill does not give that. Now, Section 5. (sighs) Section 5. Assault weapons, firearms, silencers, and mufflers ban. So it's an assault weapons ban. It's a silencer ban, which there's no freaking thing as a silencer. It's a suppressor and a muffler ban. It gets really fun here. This is where it, it it's just shows the idiocy of the people who wrote these bills. So according to this bill, an assault rifle is a long gun with a removable magazine and any one of the following. A pistol grip, a barrel shroud, a threaded barrel, a folding stock, a flash suppressor, or a forward grip, or others. Those are just the ones I wrote down. Absolutely none of those things have anything to do with making a weapon more dangerous. But that's how they define an assault rifle. Oh, idiocy. Okay, so then moving on. Uh... They also ban any weapon that is a semi-automatic version of a fully automatic military weapon. Just because it looks like the military weapon, it becomes illegal. I I really am not making this stuff up. I I, I promise I'm not. Go to congress.gov and look up HR 5717. And pistols, assault pistols... (laughs) Any pistol that that accepts a magazine in any location other than in the pistol grip becomes illegal. <laughs> I, why? What what does that matter to anything? Why does that have to become illegal? But anyway, this assault weapons ban literally makes millions of weapons already legally purchased in this country illegal as soon as it passes. 
do you think there's a grandfather clause in there? <laughs> yeah, right. Okay, so still within Title V of the bill, they ban all forms of suppressors because, you know, it's really important that when you fire a weapon that it be heard for five miles instead of a mile because there are no silencers. They don't exist. At least I've never seen one. I've seen suppressors. Suppressors make it go from, oh, my God, that's loud, to, wow, that was loud. There are, they've seen too many movies. There, there is nobody like, you know, James Bond going into, going in to kill the bad guy and going, I've never seen one of those. If they exist, please tell me. I, I, I'd like to have one before they become illegal. They're kind of cool. Okay, so suppressors become illegal. Uh, any magazine, any magazine with more than 10 rounds. 10 rounds. That's it. That's all you get, 10 rounds. Because, you know, if you have more than 10 rounds, maybe you'll try to overthrow the government. All untraceable weapons become illegal. So whether that's 3D printed or if you happen to own a machine shop and you can make a weapon, that would be illegal. If it if it's a weapon that's, you know, predate serial numbers, I would assume that would be illegal too. Any folding or retractable stock becomes illegal. Anything that you can do to quote unquote conceal the size of your gun becomes illegal. All right, moving on. Title six, firearm trafficking. Okay. Uh, by trafficking, they mean limit to one purchase a month. You as a private citizen are limited to one firearm purchase per month because God forbid you actually utilize your second amendment more than once a month. If this was a law right now, I would have already broken it. I, I said earlier, I, between my wife and I, we've bought three guns in the last two weeks. Okay. Moving on again, we got Title Seven, which is dealer reform, because God forbid our federal government ever let anything go without a ridiculous overburdening amount of regulation. So they are going to uh, go into required gun shop security measures, inspections, employee background checks, uh, gun store thefts and the requirements thereof, uh, civil enforcements, um, lost and stolen firearms reporting requirements, and it just, you know, everything. They're going to regulate the crap out of the gun stores so that all the gun stores close is what their goal is there if it's not plainly obvious. And title number eight, industry reform. Industry reform, repeal the exclusion of pistols, revolvers, and other firearms from consumer product safety laws. What that means is that the gun manufacturers will be liable for gun deaths. That will open a massive floodgate of lawsuits from victims, and it will also set precedents to allow 
car manufacturers to be sued, alcohol manufacturers to be sued when there's a drunk driving incident. This is a horrible, horrible precedent. They make a product. How it is used is not their responsibility. As long as they are clear on how it's supposed to be used, which they all are, it is not the manufacturer's fault when some moron goes out there and breaks the law and uses it improperly. So the last section of the bill, Title 10, which is miscellaneous, the only thing there is severability. That means if any little tiny part of this bill were to be judged unconstitutional, that the rest of the bill would still remain in effect if this thing gets passed. If this thing gets passed, I will be one of the first people you see uh, marching on Washington, D.C. with every gun I own in tow. This is ridiculous. This is tyranny. This is absolutely a violation of the Second Amendment. This is every control they can imagine all putting together. Red flag confiscations. Remember Gary Willis? I talked about him the last time we did one of these gun law episodes about a month ago. Gary Willis was the first gentleman who was shot in uh, Maryland. Uh, Duncan Lemp is still being investigated. Uh, the family says he was in bed asleep at 4.30 a.m. when a SWAT team killed him from outside the house for a red flag confiscation. That's craziness. Universal background checks is part of this bill. Um, the ATF has already been accused of copying the uh, background form, the 4473s, from FFL shops. So if they're requiring universal background checks and, well, you know, we're not supposed to have a firearms database, but ATF is already trying to do that now. And if that's not enough, then you go on to the whole licensing aspect of it. You need a license to buy firearms or ammunition. And if that's not being used to create a database, then, oh, my, I don't even know what to say. It, it, it obviously is. It's blatantly a database. And, and the whole licensing process could easily be used to slow down and stop our Second Amendment rights. All they have to do is stop issuing licenses or make it harder and harder and harder to get licenses or make the licenses expire and make it almost impossible to renew. That's all it takes. And purchasing limits to one a month, what does that accomplish? Absolutely nothing. And the way they define an assault weapon is ridiculous. It's none of that has anything to do with how deadly the weapon is. Everything about it is cosmetics and, and ergonomics, you know, a pistol grip or a barrel shroud or, or a folding stock or a flash suppressor. And none of that makes it more deadly. So why bother banning it? Because, you know, back in the 80s when they tried to ban handguns and that didn't work. So let's go after the big, scary-looking assault weapons. All right. And then, of course, my least – well, I can't even say my least favorite part of the bill because the whole bill is just garbage. One of the worst parts of the bill is the taxes that it levies. 
This bill would levy a 30% tax on all firearms and a 50% tax on all ammunition. So your $1,000 rifle becomes $1,300 like that. Your $10 box of ammo became $15 like that. That's punishment. There's no other way to put it. That is punishment for you exercising your Second Amendment rights. I think the, the absolute funniest thing about this entire bill is the fact that the bill completely ignores facts. There's a recent study from Johns Hopkins University. Now, Johns Hopkins is obviously not some right-wing think tank, and it's obviously not some you know, shill for the NRA or anything like that. It, it's a very well-respected school. And specifically, the Bloomberg School on Public Health, get that? Bloomberg, you know, one of the guys that wants to take all of your guns. Their new study came out and said that the, the California gun laws were a complete failure. I mean, this is uh, – I'm looking at an article right now for the from the Foundation for Economic Education. Uh, it's dated December 2018. So this is not new news. Um, this study said that the, the 15-day waiting period and – comprehensive background check firearm sales all the all the crap that California did this university's study showed that it, it had no effect at all and this wasn't some you know let's look at it next year it was it was a study for let's see the laws were from 1991 i don't know it was over a quarter century worth of data that they were looking at so that was just California and then just like last month, this same Johns Hopkins study, this is the longest study on, on gun stuff ever been done. They've been doing it for like 33 years now. The latest report says that, quote, no evidence assault weapon bans reduce mass shootings. So why are we trying to ban so-called assault weapons if they don't reduce the mass shootings? Like I said, this is the Bloomberg School of Public Health. This is the school that was founded when Michael Bloomberg donated three hundred million dollars to Johns Hopkins, and they've now he's now donated over a billion dollars to Johns Hopkins, and they're saying that an assault weapons ban doesn't work. House Resolution five seven one seven is basically, you know, the 19 sponsors of this bill taking everything they can find to control your rights and your guns, taking it all, putting it all together, and throwing the whole thing against a wall to see what part of it might stick. Thankfully, I don't think it's ever going to see the light of day, even if it passes the House of Representatives. I don't think that uh, Mitch McConnell would even pick it up in the Senate. But, you know, here come November, who's to say that it doesn't get picked up for next year? I don't know. But this is an ugly, ugly bill. And we all need to reach out to our uh, House of Representatives representatives and tell them that this is a ridiculous bill and it needs to be stopped and don't even let it get out of the house.
ask yourselves, why do so many people on the left want to take your guns? And they, oh no, nobody wants to take your guns. Yes, you do. Stop lying to us. We're not idiots. Look at this bill. You are trying to make the most popular guns in America illegal. You're trying to take our guns. And yeah, yeah, there's a buyback provision in there. Um, Really? Yeah. You never owned it there, Mr. Federal Government. So how are you buying back something that you never owned? And are you really going to give like full value for the weapons that you're trying to buy back? Are you going to give so-called fair market value like they do with uh, eminent domain? Hey, we need to put a highway through here. We'll give you you know, 50 cents on the dollar of what you think it's worth. What about if it's a family heirloom? How do you compensate somebody for that? Maybe it's just, you know, coincidental timing. But I think it looks really shady that they have us under an undeclared martial law at the same time that they're trying to push one of the most tyrannical gun laws ever passed or ever considered. I know the optics of it certainly aren't good. Hey, you citizens, don't leave your house and uh, don't go to the gun stores because we're trying to close them. And, uh, well, yeah, you can't go to the ranges either because they're closed. Oh, don't pay attention to this big, ugly bill that we're trying to pass over here in the background where nobody in the media is talking about it because all they want to talk about is COVID-19, the Wuhan flu. Oh, my God, we're all going to die from the flu. It doesn't look like we're all going to die from the flu. The estimates keep going down. Maybe that's because they did this lockdown thing. Maybe it's just because it's a virus that was never as scary as they wanted it to be in the first place. Like I said earlier, I am far, far more afraid of the potential civil unrest, the looting, the violence, the robbery that might possibly come if this pseudo-martial law lockdown continues for much longer. But even though this big, ugly, scary H.R. 5717 is going through the House of Representatives, we can't forget our state bills. We can't forget what's going on in our own states. My governor, Governor Wolf, here in Pennsylvania, has his own gun control agenda, and he was quick to try to shut down the gun stores when when he shut down all non-essential businesses. And then... In the first segment of this show, we talked about bills in Oregon, Washington, New Hampshire, Arizona, Connecticut, and Iowa. Those are all bills that have been active in some way just in the last 30 days. And I'm sure there are a lot more. But the stuff doesn't get covered when everybody's covering the Wuhan flu. The First Amendment is what makes us Americans. And right now, during this coronavirus lockdown we've allowed our well we've we've temporarily waived some of our first amendment rights but it is the first amendment that makes us americans and it's the second amendment that keeps us americans our government cannot take our weapons away from us I think there's already too many gun laws. It may be a cliche already, but criminals don't listen to laws. 
the only people who are going to follow gun laws are law-abiding citizens. People that go out and commit mass shootings or commit murder, they're criminals. Gun or no gun, they're already criminals. What's another law going to do? It's just one more charge to add to their indictment. Our Second Amendment is vital. There's a reason why it was the second one on the list. It is important. First Amendment makes us Americans. Second Amendment keeps us Americans. Well, that's about all I have for this episode of Liberty Lighthouse. I'm out of time. Thank you very much for coming by. I'm Peter Serafine. Follow me on the social media stuff at pseraphine. Check out the liberty-lighthouse.com website where you can download my free ebook. And don't forget to call 64 My Rights with your questions, comments, and concerns. Call or text 64 My Rights. Until next time, protect your liberties. Once they're gone, there's no getting them back. God bless America. Thanks for listening to the Liberty Lighthouse podcast. Be sure to sign up at liberty-lighthouse.com to download Peter's free ebook from the file share page. And don't forget to call 64 My Rights to leave comments for the show. That's 646-974-4487. If you enjoyed this podcast, tell a friend about Liberty Lighthouse and wherever you listen, subscribe, rate and leave a review. It's very much appreciated.